2: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay,
0: let's, uh, let's pray first. Father, thank you so much for, again, Word And thank you for recording these events in history, Lord, that we could benefit by being there through your word. We pray that you would make this to happen this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. First Chronicles 28, verse 1. David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes and the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over the thousands and captains over the hundreds, And the stewards over all the sustenance and possession of the king and of his sons with the officers and with the mighty men and with all the valiant men unto Jerusalem. Then David the king stood up upon his feet and said, hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had in my heart to build a house of rest for the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build a house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. Howbeit the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever, for he hath chosen Judah to be the ruler, and among the sons of my father he liked me to make me king over all Israel." And of all my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons, he hath chosen Solomon my son to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And he said unto me, Solomon thy son, he shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, if he be constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that ye may possess this good land, and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. And thou, Solomon my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect mind and with a willing, a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. You ever get a book and you're you're really interested in the book, but you turn right to the last chapter and you read that first? You ever done that? That's sort of like what we're doing here. David has lived his life. Anybody know how long David lived? Seventy. He lived, he was 70. Where where I will be in three months, so don't expect me here after three months. (laughs) He lived till he was 70, relatively short period of time, especially when you consider some of the patriarchs, Abraham, 175, Jacob, 120, so forth, 130, I can't remember. Anyway, he lived a relatively short period of time. But this is like the last chapter in his book of life. It's a chapter which is very interesting because he has something to say, something that's burning within him for which he's called all the congregation of Israel by leaders, by leaders, because the congregation couldn't be in one place and hear him. But all of the leaders he's called together, all of his sons—he has a lot of sons—all of his family he's called together for this time. And he has specifically this is a, this is a subject. The subject here is building the house of God, and who is going to build it? He explains to them. He has blood on his hands. He's a warrior. And so God said, I don't want you to build the house. And he has explained to them that God has chosen. This is a big word in what David has said here. He explains to them that out of all of his family, of his brothers, God chose him. Well, let's put it this way. Of the tribes of Israel, God chose his tribe, the tribe of Judah, In his family, as I mentioned, out of his brothers, God chose him. Out of all of his sons, God chose Solomon. And Solomon is going to be the one who's going to build the temple, and he's telling him that. And what's happened here is that it's a very special time when David the father is going to speak to and sort of give to his final words, so to speak, to Solomon. He's not going to die now. He's on his deathbed, but he's not far from it. So Solomon is there, and you may have thought that in such a solemn time and in such an important time as this, that David would have gotten himself alone with Solomon. Maybe go into this room here, Solomon, come with me so I can talk to you. But he didn't do that. He now addresses Solomon because he wants witnesses. He wants the witnesses of all of the leaders of Israel to hear what he's going to say to Solomon. Solomon. He wants God to hear. He says, I'm speaking in the audience of God, to hear what he's going to say to Solomon. And he turns to Solomon and he says, so that everybody can hear. He's looking at Solomon, but everybody is hearing. And he says, verse nine, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father. Serve him with a perfect heart. With a willing mind, the Lord searcheth all hearts and understands all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. If thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. This is his last word, so to speak. The most important thing that he has to say after he's assembled all these people together, he starts off as he's speaking to Solomon, and he says, Solomon, Solomon, This is for you. This is personal. This is individual. So he uses the word thou, you, and you, and you, Solomon. And you can almost see that as David is doing that, he's putting on blinders. He doesn't see anyone around him, just Solomon. He's laser-focused on Solomon. He says, Solomon, this is what I have to pass on to you. He's saying to Solomon, he he, he looked, first of all, he says, and thou, Solomon. He couldn't say that name, Solomon, without thinking thoughts. That is a very unusual bu- name. Nobody in the Bible has ever or will ever in the Bible be named that name. That's not like David. That's not like, like, uh, like uh, Joshua. It's not like that. It's a very special name. So as, Sol- as, as, as he uses that name, Solomon he can't help but think of the circumstances that gave rise to him choosing that name, Solomon. Solomon is the same thing as saying shalom. It means peace. He might as well have called him shalom, but he didn't, he called him Solomon. Shlomo, like shalom. And he remembers what happened. It was the most terrible time in King David's life. Almost... We can't even say the words of what David did. It was so horrible. Raped a wife, murdered her husband. Apart from that, he was fine. But that is so horrible, and he did it. He did it, and, he, and, 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 he, and you would have thought that maybe David would have said, you know, Lord, it was such a, such a horrible thing. Do you think we could just like not talk about it? Do you have to write it in your Bible? for all eternity, but God said, yes, I do. Because in that shows the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God to such dirty, rotten sins as those. But what happened was that when he did do this to Bathsheba against her husband Uriah, Bathsheba had a baby from it, and that baby what lived for a certain period of time, very short, just a few days, and then that baby died. And you would have thought that that relationship, with such a beginning like that, was cursed. But the second baby that was born was Solomon, from Bathsheba. And there was such a storm with David in his life because there was uh, tens of thousands of people in in, in his died as a result of David's sin. It was a storm in his heart. It was a storm in the country. It was terrible. And the first baby died in that storm. But God forgave him. It's just like what God says about Israel. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Say unto Judah, the warfare is accomplished. The sins are pardoned, the sins are forgiven. And that's what David experienced at that point in his life. And there was peace with David, as we can also know peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that peace was so pronounced to David that with the birth of that second son that lived, he named that baby Peace, Shlomo, Solomon, Shalom. He named that baby Peace. He can't help but think of that. When he says, And thou Solomon, and all of that comes back to his mind. It's peace, it's grace, as he's remembering this. Grace, he could sing, grace that is greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall its praise begin? He he he's 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 had a rough life, to say the least. David has had a rough life. There's been a lot of episodes in his life that he really does not want. Solomon to repeat in his life. He would just like Solomon just to, Solomon, I've really gone down the road of some pretty hard knocks and I've learned some things. I want you just to listen to what I've learned. My mother used to say to me when I was young, do as I say, not as I do. And so this is what David is saying to Solomon. Do as I say, don't do as I did in my life. Don't repeat the same mistakes that I made, the same same sins that I did. Reminds me of a CFO we had one time in our company called Ed Hodab, who worked for us in the late 80s and early 90s. And Ed had a daughter that was an absolute terror. And every day we'd come in, we'd say, what does she do now, Ed? She always was getting in trouble, all kinds of trouble. And one time, uh, Ed came in and he told us, he said, I sat down with my daughter, and he said, you know, when you grow up, you're going to be great, just great, he says, because you will have made every mistake in the book. <laughs> oh, you know Ed Hodab. You're <laughs> right. So what, uh, what, what David is doing here in verse nine is he's planting in the mind of his son, and thou, Solomon, my son. Just Solomon, now put yourself, we put, we've been in David's position looking at Solomon. Now put yourself in Solomon's position listening to David, and he's hearing, you, Solomon, my son. Very special words from a father to his son. A father to his son. And what he says now is, know the God of thy father. And what he's really doing there is David is planting in Solomon's mind what Solomon should think about his father. He's planting in Solomon's mind the reputation that he wants Solomon to think of about him, David's reputation. You know, and if after David died, he's thinking maybe in his mind, he's thinking maybe in his mind that when after I die and somebody asks Solomon, tell me about your dad. And he's thinking that if Solomon had said, would say, you know, dad was a great warrior. He started off by killing Goliath. He defeated the enemy of Israel, the Philistines. He just defeated all the enemies of Israel. He was a great warrior. If he had said that, it would have broke David's heart. If Solomon had say, Dad was a great unifier. Israel was, the, some of the tribes were separated from the others, and, and David, my father, brought them all together. He unified Israel. All of Israel loved him, and they were behind him. If he had said that, that would have broken his heart. If he would have said, Dad was a great builder. Look at these walls of Jerusalem. My dad built those walls. He built Jerusalem, and he built other cities as well, all throughout Israel. He was a great builder. If he would have said that, that would have broken David's heart because what David is doing here in verse nine, he's planning the reputation so that David wanted Solomon to say, dad knew God and dad served God with all of his heart, with all of his mind and all of his will. That's what David is doing here. And so he says, he starts off and he says to Solomon, he says, Solomon, I want you to know the God of your father. I want you to know the God of your father. Now, you can imagine Solomon. Talk about being raised in a Christian home. Solomon would say, what? Tell the God of my father. Remember me? Since I was born, I've been raised by you. I've been raised all around God. It's God, God, God every day. You know, you wrote the Psalms. Did you forget? You, know, you wrote part of the Bible. I'm your son. I've been here. What do you mean, know God? But David knew exactly what he meant. Because he says, and thou, Solomon, know the God of your father. In other words, David is saying, Solomon, it's not enough that I know God. You have to know God. It's not enough that you've been in my family and by osmosis have learned about God. No, you need to know God for yourself. And that's the kind of advice that should be given to every child in a Christian home. It's time for you individually, personally, and thou to know God for yourself. And that's what he's saying. And so Solomon could be sitting there saying, what do you mean know God? What am I supposed to know about God? Well, it's on two levels. There is the knowledge of God, and then there is the personal experiential knowledge with God. What Sam sometimes likes to talk about in Spanish, connoisseur and saber. So it's the difference between, and the same in French, it's the difference between I know about President Trump, but I've never met him. I don't know him on the level of we're friends. And so this is what he's referring to. For example, he wanted Solomon to know about the power of God. The power of God, Psalm, like Psalm 147.5, which David wrote, great is the Lord and, great, and of great power. Great is the Lord, great is our Lord, and of great power. That's knowing about the power of God. He wanted Solomon, of course, Solomon knew that Israel was sort of born, so to speak, with the power of God that broke the back of Egypt. The power of God destroyed the greatest country on earth at that time, Egypt, in order for Israel to come out. Power in those 10 plagues. Power that separated the Red Sea. Power that provided water out of the rock and so forth and so on, manna from heaven and so forth. Power, that's power of God. The, he knew about that power of God, but that's one level. But the next level is to apply the power of God, as Jonathan did. Jonathan did, the friend of David. When Jonathan and his armor bearer looked at a camp of 20 enemy Philistines and, John, and and his armor bearer was shaking in his shoes, but Jonathan said, no, we are going to trust the power of God today. In 1 Samuel 14, 6, 1 Samuel fourteen six, Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, come. And let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there's no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And God did show his power, as it says in 1 Samuel 14 13. 1 Samuel 14 13. Jonathan climbed up upon his hands, upon his feet, his armor bearer after him. They fell before Jonathan. The Philistines fell before Jonathan. His armor bearer slew after him. That was, that was the first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made of about 20 men within, as it were, a half acre of land. Jonathan knew the power of God. He knew the history of Israel. He knew what happened in Egypt. He knew the power of God that was there. With a mighty arm, a stretched out arm and a mighty hand, God brought Israel out by power. But this was a time when he experienced, Jonathan experienced personally the power of God. And so this is what David wants for Solomon. David wants Solomon to personally have those experiences in life where he relies on, he trusts, and he sees the power of God, the holiness of God, Solomon knew about the holiness of God. Solomon knew Leviticus eleven forty four. Leviticus eleven forty four. God says, "I am holy." He knew that. That was the knowledge of God that He's holy. But when does this holiness of God becomes then the next level? When does it become serious for, for Solomon? What does it become serious for us? When it's applied in the application, for example, 2 Peter 3:14, 2 Peter 3.14, where Peter says, Be diligent that ye be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. When we become pure, without spot, without blameless, we seek after holiness we hunger and thirst after righteousness personally, then we get to know by the next level the holiness of God. Know thou the God of thy father. It says, provider. Solomon knew that God had provided for Israel. He knew that. It says in 1 Chronicles 29, the next verse, 1 Chronicles 29, when when the people had given of what God had given to them for the building of the temple, David said, now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee and of thine own have we given thee. Solomon knew that. He knew that the people had done that. But when it, when the knowledge of God as a provider becomes personal is when we individually give to the point where it hurts. Give to the point where it creates a hole. Give to the Lord where it's not just chump change, not just a tip, but actually give substantially to the Lord where we rely on Him to provide back, to fill the hole back up. And you say, well, how can a person know this if he's doing that? Simple. Look at his checkbook. You can tell. So, It doesn't it's not on how much it's given, it's on how much it hurts to give. As the Lord Jesus said in Mark 12:41, Mark 12 41, Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, very small amount, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples. And saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Knowing the provision of God personally is to give to a point where it hurts and to watch God fill it back up again.
2: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.